Morning, everybody, and uh, good to see you on this uh, cold and uh, snowy uh, Sunday morning. Thanks so much for joining us for church here in, in, in Waukesha, in Pewaukee, and online. Today we're continuing this series called Let's uh, Talk About It. We're talking about mental and emotional uh, health. We've said that the uh, pandemic's really created a second pandemic that doesn't get talked about very often, uh, a pandemic of mental and uh, emotional health. According to the Kaiser Foundation, one out of two people right now struggling with these issues. And so we want to uh, break the silence that often, often accompanies uh, these uh, issues. And uh, we want to uh, make this church a safe place to talk about these things and uh, open up and have honest conversations. First week we talked about uh, anger. Second week we talked about anxiety. Last week Garrett gave a great message on depression. And now this week we're going to talk about an issue that affects all of us, touches all of us, and it can feed uh, these other issues. But we don't talk about it very often in church. Let me introduce it this way with a, with a story. A couple weeks ago my wife had a birthday. And I, I, I told her, hey, I want to take you out to dinner, pick any restaurant, we'll celebrate your birthday. And so she picked this uh, restaurant uh, for the dessert that they uh, serve. She loves the key lime pie that they uh, serve. So we, so we went to this uh, restaurant. Everything was going great. We ate our meal. And the waitress says, are you guys interested in dessert? Would you like to see a dessert menu? Without hesitation, my wife says, no, no, no. I know exactly what I want. I want dessert. Don't need to see the menu. I'll take a piece of key lime pie. And guess what the waitress said? Nah, we don't serve key lime pie any, uh, anymore. Marnie was uh, disappointed, shocked. <laughs> Blindsided, uh, devastated, until I took her across the street for some frozen custard, and uh, that made her feel a little bit uh, better. But I thought to myself, isn't that how life goes? All of us experience unmet expectations. You know, you think things are going to go this way, and they end up going a another way. Now, we laughed about the key lime pie because that didn't hurt, but unmet expectations in marriage, in family, in health, in finances, in career can be painful and difficult. And sooner or later, all of us have unmet expectations when it comes to our faith. We expect God to come through and do something for us, and he doesn't, and you can feel disappointment and hurt. And these unmet expectations create something that all of us experience that I want to talk about today called Doubt. If we're honest, all of us experience doubt from time to time, time to time. I know I do. And in fact, I would say if you haven't experienced doubt in the last two years, you are the rarity. Okay, you go through something uh, difficult uh, in your life and you pray and you ask God for help and nothing happens. And you wonder, is there anybody home in heaven? Maybe somebody that you love goes through a, a difficult situation. Something bad happens to them. And you wonder, why would a loving God allow that to happen? Or, or you wonder, is my belief in Jesus just wishful thinking? Am I a fool for following uh, Jesus? Maybe you grew up in a Christian home and, and, and you wonder, you know, was I just brainwashed? into believing this stuff. Maybe you've got doubts about whether God exists or loves or forgives you. Maybe a church or a Christian did something to uh, hurt you and you wonder if God is good, 
why are Christians so messed up? I mean, sometimes people who wear the name of Jesus violate the ways of Jesus. And it can leave you feeling doubt. So let's talk about it today. Because unprocessed doubt can show up in lots of ways. It can show up in anger. It can show up in anxiety. It can show up in depression. It can show up in addictions. Doubt can take you out if you don't know how uh, to deal with it. Now, if you've got some doubts today, you're not alone. You're in good company. I want to show you what I think is one of the most amazing scriptures. Uh, some of us have probably read this before. It's a well-known, popular scripture. It's called the Great Commission, found in the last chapter of Matthew's uh, gospel. Here, here's what it says. Then the eleven uh, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him... They worshipped him, which makes great sense that they would worship Jesus. They just spent three years traveling with him. They watched him perform uh, many uh, miracles. They watched him die on a cross. He's thrown into a tomb. And now they're looking at the same guy, the same person, standing right in front of them after the resurrection. So these 11 would be the last people on earth that we would expect to doubt. If doubt could be eliminated... On on earth, on this planet, this would be uh, the moment. But look at what it says. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What? They had all the proof, and they had doubts. Makes you wonder why Matthew included that little phrase, some doubted. He could have just left that part out. But I think he wants us to know that struggling with doubt is a normal part of following Jesus. I've heard it said that having doubt doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. It means that you're a human. It's not a sin to have doubts. Doubts are an emotion. Doubt is temptation. It's like anger. We talked about anger the first week of this series. We said anger in and of itself is not a a sin. It's, It's what you do with it that matters most. And in the same way, we've got to be careful with doubt. But notice Jesus didn't get upset with the 11. Look at, look at the next verse. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the 11 out to change the world with their doubts because we can have doubt and follow Jesus at the same time. You don't have to understand everything to believe something. You know, here's how many people view doubt, kind of a traditional uh, view of, of, of doubt. Uh, we've got doubt on one end of the continuum, faith on the other end. Uh, many people think doubt is the enemy of, of, of faith. They're very different. And so, you know, sometimes I, I, I live with doubt. Sometimes I live with faith. But you know what? That's not entirely true because if we completely eliminated doubt, we would also eliminate Faith. Uh, John Ortberg uh, uses this uh, il- illustration. Uh, he says, I've got a $20 bill in, in my hand right now. How many of you have faith that I've got a $20 bill in my hand? Well, you know what? I'm going to destroy your faith and show it to you. Because you know what? You only need uh, faith when there's the possibility of doubt and you don't know uh, for sure. Here, here's a better picture of what uh, doubt Uh, looks like. It's not faith or doubt. It's faith and doubt uh, together in a a circle, not on a line. Uh, Faith uh, is 
or excuse me, doubt is uncertainty. Faith is uncertainty with confidence. Doubt is not the enemy to faith, but my faith, it's what I hold on to and cling to and build my life on. So we can't eliminate doubt, but we can work uh, through it. Today, I want to show you that doubt can be your friend if you know how to deal with it. I want to look at what is really, I think, one of the greatest examples of someone in Scripture who worked through doubt and it strengthened his uh, faith. Today we're going to look at the story of the uh, most famous doubter of all time. He's the poster boy of doubt. His name is Thomas, but, but he goes by a nickname. Any, anybody know his nickname? Doubting Thomas. For some reason we look down, we tend to look down on Thomas, but you know what? We can really look up to him because he's a great example for us about how to deal with uh, doubt. Let's pick up the story in John chapter 20. It's actually the first Easter Sunday. Jesus had died on the cross on on, on Friday, uh, but he came alive and he walked out of that tomb on Sunday morning and he presented himself, first of all, to Mary and then later on that night to the other uh, disciples. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the door locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So the disciples, they're, it's, it's Easter, they're gathered in this room uh, full of fear with the door locked because the Jewish leaders crucified Jesus and they thought they might be, they, they would be next. But Jesus appears, he walks through a wall and he says, peace be with you to calm them down. And then after he said this, he showed them his, his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed. When they saw the, the Lord, he shows them the holes. Remember, they, they nailed his hands uh, to the cross. And then to make sure he died, they drove a spear into his side. And it says the disciples felt overjoyed to see Jesus alive with their own eyes. They're jumping up and down. This is amazing. But not all of the, the disciples felt overjoyed. It says now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, we don't, it doesn't really give us a clear reason why Thomas missed the uh, Easter uh, gathering when Jesus uh, uh, appeared. But I wonder if his absence had to do with his doubts. Remember, he, he had just watched his, one of his best friends, his mentor, Jesus, slowly tortured to death. I think he probably, his absence probably indicates he felt disillusioned. Thomas felt sure that the cross means the end of Jesus, the end of a dream, because he can't believe in a dead Messiah. And so maybe Thomas just went off by himself to just kind of sort things out that had just happened. And maybe like Thomas, you have some doubts when it comes to your faith. You know, here's, here's, what, here's what happens. Uh, oftentimes people start attending church and they hear about Jesus and they feel something stir in their, in their heart. And in their mind, and they realize God cares about them. Uh, God loves them. And they kind of go up the side here of, of, of this mountain, and they come to a, a point of faith in, in Jesus. And they uh, get baptized. And it's really a mountaintop moment, a mountaintop experience. But then eventually, they experience some unmet expectations, some difficult circumstances in their life that creates doubt and so they go from the mountaintop to the valley. And more than any time I can remember in my lifetime, people, more people have experienced the valley of doubt 
the last two years. You know, you wonder if, if God has power and can do anything. You know, why doesn't he end the pandemic? I mean, the pandemic just feels like an endless waiting game. Or, God, I can't believe you allowed the Christmas parade tragedy to happen. Or, God, I've, I'm, I'm bankrupt. Or, uh, God, I've got cancer. Or, God, my, my wife, my husband walked out on me. God, if you can do something, now is the time. Some people uh, get, get stuck in the valley of, of, of doubt. They feel overwhelmed by doubt. Some people walk away. But what if doubt can actually strengthen your faith? What if, and I really believe this, instead of an enemy, uh, doubt can be your friend if you respond to it, like Thomas. Uh, did Thomas miss that gathering when the other disciples saw Jesus alive on, on Easter and they get very excited? And so the next time they see Thomas and they're jumping up and down, Thomas, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. On Friday, he was dead and buried. Saturday, still dead. But then on Sunday morning, he's alive. And I, I really think Thomas wants to believe like the rest of them, but he can't. Too much has happened. He's in the valley. So what do you do with doubt? How do we deal with doubt? Well, here's the first way to deal with doubt. You admit your doubt. You declare your doubt. You own your doubt. That's what Thomas uh, did. Look at what it says in verse 25. But, but uh, Thomas said to them, the other disciples, unless I see the nail uh, marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not uh, believe. Thomas is honest about his, his doubt. It, it's, it's, uh, it, it's important to be honest with your doubt. Don't hide it. Find somebody that you trust that you can talk to about your doubt. Take, take your doubt to God. Get honest with God. He can handle it. Just say, God, I'm, I'm doubting that you exist. I'm, I'm doubting that you, that you really care about me. Based on what's happening in my life, I doubt. I'm having doubts that you really love me. God, I'm doubting your power. You know, some people feel intimidated by uh, doubts, and so they keep them private and stuffed in, and that just gives them more power. We need to admit them like Thomas did. And I want you to notice something in this uh, story. The other, other disciples, they don't get mad at Thomas. You know, they don't say, you're wrong, Thomas. You shouldn't doubt. Doubt is bad. Doubt is wrong. No, they don't shame him. Jude verse 21 says, be merciful. To those who doubt. If somebody opens up to you about their doubts, be merciful, be kind, and show compassion. You're going you're to see later in this story, Jesus doesn't rebuke Thomas for doubting, nor does it say that Thomas repented of doubting, because doubt itself is not a sin. Doubt is a feeling that is a normal part of following Jesus. Admit it. Own it. But then you need to investigate your doubt. You need to begin to explore and examine and work through your doubts. Frederick Buechner puts it this way. He says, doubts are ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. I, I, love, I love that quote. You ever, you ever had ants in your pants? <laughs> That's a very uh, pointed picture image, isn't it? I think I can remember as a kid a couple times getting ants in my pants. And, man, it makes you move, uh, doesn't it? You know, sometimes it can be easy to sort of coast in our faith. Maybe we inherited our faith from a, from, a, from a parent or a pastor or a friend and we never really asked any questions. Doubt can shake things up 
and get us thinking. It can make us look through different lenses and make our faith stronger and make us more sympathetic. I I remember when I attended college, uh, even though I attended Christian college, I went through a season of doubt. I had this intense theology class my junior year that raised some questions in my mind that I had never really thought about before. And I felt like I had ants in my pants. I questioned what I believed. And so I talked to a few friends and teachers, and for a semester I piggybacked on their faith. I did some extra reading and studying and praying, and through their counsel and prayer and help, you know what? That actually grew my, my faith. And looking back, I wouldn't trade that season of my life. I'm grateful for it. There's a really thoughtful pastor in, in New York named Tim Keller, and I like what he says about doubts. He says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or too indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if if, if she's failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. It's, It's healthy for us. It's healthy for our faith to work through doubts. If if you've got questions about your faith, that's not a sign that your faith is weak. It's a sign that your faith is about to get strong. I want to show you that diagram we looked at uh, earlier. We see this pattern in so many, it was, it was so many people. You know, they start coming to church. They hear about Jesus. They feel something stir in their heart and in their mind. They go up the side of the mountain here, and they come to faith in Jesus. They realize God loves them. They uh, get baptized, and it's a beautiful, wonderful moment. And that is real, and that is, that is good. But eventually, they have some unmet expectations. They go through some difficult circumstances that creates doubt. And they go from the mountaintop to the valley, and some people get stuck in, in, in their doubts. They get overpowered by doubt. And they walk away. But I'm telling you, there's another option. If you begin to work through it, doubt can slingshot you to a higher place and a better and stronger faith. You know, it's kind of like a roller coaster. You know, on a roller coaster, you know, you go up the the hill here and then you you get this drop, right? This, This big drop on the roller coaster. And you gain momentum and you go to an even higher place. Doubt can create momentum and slingshot you to a better and stronger faith if you work through it. That means you investigate, you dig a little bit, you read and study, you pray, you talk to people that you trust spiritually about your doubts, and you do something Thomas did. This is really important, and this is why he's such a good example. You stay in the group. Verse 26 says, a week later, Uh, His disciples, the disciples of Jesus, were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. So Thomas has doubts. He didn't believe. The other disciples all believed, but notice Thomas stays in the group with them. He could have refused to meet with them. He could have said, you know, I don't really feel like I'm part of this group anymore. I don't really feel like we're all on the same page intellectually. If Jesus wants to convince me, 
he can come over to, to my house. No, Thomas stayed with the group and he gathered with them the next Sunday night. If Jesus appeared again, this is where it would most likely happen, and he didn't want to miss it. He stayed with people that he knew could build his faith. You need, you need some faith-building friends in your life to help you wrestle through your doubts. And we got a great opportunity coming up for you. You can join what's called an alpha group. Alpha is uh, specifically designed uh, for you to ask your questions. And you meet in a group around a table with other people who are also asking uh, questions. It's a safe place. And everyone is uh, welcome. And uh, it begins next month. goes for nine weeks. You can go ahead and take out your phone right now. Open your camera. Scan that QR code in front of you and get signed up for Alpha. Or stop at the Connect wall in the lobby uh, after the service to find out more. I cannot encourage you enough. If you're not in a group to join one, it will change your life. Weekend services like this are really important and hopefully they inspire you. But smaller groups like Alpha, Rooted, Life Groups, CR, stands for Celebrate Recovery, CR uh, groups, or just meeting with a Stephen minister are the best environment to process and work through your doubts. Thomas stays in the group. And look at what happens that next Sunday. Uh, though the doors were locked, uh, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know, I love what this says about the heart of Jesus. Jesus had already showed up for the other disciples. And now he shows up for Thomas. Remember Thomas said, I can't believe unless I see the holes in, in the hands and inside. Jesus listened to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, you know, see the holes? You know, put your finger here. Uh, put your hand here. Because he, he wants Thomas to believe. Uh, Jesus loves us through our doubts. Christians and, and churches are imperfect and will fall short. At times, your circumstances might be difficult and painful. But put your focus on Jesus. Jesus is, 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 is perfect. And he loves you as you are. And he will show up for you. And he will help you and love you through your doubt. Here's the truth. God doesn't always live up to our expectations. But he always, he always lives up to his word. And he's given his word. He promises to, to love you and be with you. And to never leave you. Back in uh, 1988, 1988, in the country of Armenia, they had a terrible, terrible earthquake that uh, killed uh, 50,000 people in a matter of minutes. And millions, five million people left homeless. Reader's Digest chronicled the uh, story of a, of a father um, with his uh, young elementary age child. Uh, that morning, he dropped his child off at, at school and said the things that the dad uh, says. He said, I love you, and I'll be back to pick you up uh, this afternoon. And, and then he drove off. About a mile down the road, he watched as the road rippled in front of him and buildings started to sway, and he knew what was going on in horror. I mean, he turned around immediately and drove back uh, to the location of the school only to find that it was flat. And so he ran, left his car, car door open and crawled and, and scratched his way across the rubble to the approximate location of the, uh, 
his son's class and he began to dig and dig and dig for hours. People would come and say, hey, it's, uh, it's futile. Uh, you're going to get hurt. You know, I mean, what if you leave your, your, your wife not only without a son but without a husband? Uh, you need to stop. But he kept on digging eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours. He, he dug for uh, 20 hours, 24 hours. People would come. Some people would come and bring him water. Some people would come and, and help him uh, to dig. Eventually, people finally realized, you know what? He's just digging out his grief. He's just, he's just uh, digging uh, his, his grief out. But in the 36th hour, the dad heard a noise. And he screamed out, help, somebody help. And people came to help him, and they unearthed the rock. And when they unearthed the rock, there was a cavern. And in that cavern, there were 13 students and one teacher. And one of those students was his son. And the son looked at his dad, and he said, I kept telling them that you would come. You know, all of us are going to experience difficult circumstances and, and, and doubts on this journey. You might feel stuck in the valley of doubt, but like that father... Jesus will show up for you, and he will love you and remove your doubts and fears and anxiety if you trust him. Thomas, Thomas did that. Thomas stays connected to the group, and Jesus shows up for him and loves him through his doubts and helps him believe. And look at what Thomas uh, says. Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Thomas puts his full trust in Jesus. And this is, this is what makes him a great example. You see how his doubts just slingshot him to a higher place and a better and a stronger faith. And that's, that's what makes Thomas a great example for how to deal with doubt. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus, look at what Jesus says uh, next uh, uh, to Thomas. Then Jesus told him, very interesting, because you have seen me. You've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, like us, and yet have believed. Very interesting statement Jesus makes. Here's what I think it means for us uh, today. It's important to give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. Because we can't eliminate doubt completely. I mean, Thomas is going to have doubts again. You and I, we're going to have more doubts. Remember, the goal of faith is not to eliminate all our doubts. The goal of faith is not just to say, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, I believe Jesus died on the cross, I believe in the resurrection of, of Jesus. No, the goal of faith is to trust the person of Jesus. What Jesus wants the most for Thomas and for all of us is to connect in a personal relationship with us based on trust. Let me illustrate it this way. I've, I've been married uh, to, to my wife Marnie for 33 years. And just imagine that uh, you and I have a conversation and you say to me, Ben, do you think that Marnie has been faithful uh, to you for, for, for that time? And um, I would say, yeah, I, I believe that she has. And then you say to me, do you want to know for sure? Because I've created this camera and uh, this camera can take 24-7 surveillance of her. Do you, do you want me to record her on camera? 24-7. You know what I'd say? I'd say, no, I, I don't want to do that. I'm going to choose to trust her instead. Following her with a camera, that's not trust. That's control. 
I'm choosing to trust because in choosing to trust her, I'm giving her a part of myself that makes relationship possible, that makes connection possible. See, for relationships to work, you can't have absolute certainty about everything. I mean, you can't follow your spouse, your child, uh, your friend uh, 24-7 with, with a camera. Love means that you give, sometimes you give them the benefit of the doubt. You learn to live with some doubt. Love, love means sometimes you turn doubt off, right, for the sake of a relationship with your spouse, with your kids and family and with your friends. And you do that with Jesus too. That's why Jesus says we're better off for believing without seeing the holes in the hands and in the side because we put all our faith and doubt in Jesus and who, he's, and who he is and who he claims to be. What Jesus wants most is personal relationship with us based on trust. I saw a quote about this on Monday that I really liked. It was Martin Luther King Day. And this is actually a, a Martin Luther King Jr. quote. He said this. He said, faith is taking the first step, even though you don't see the whole staircase. I mean, faith is taking a step without having absolute certainty. Isn't that good? And I wonder what faith step maybe God is, is nudging you to take today. Maybe it's to just keep attending. Uh, you know, stay connected to the group. Like, Thomas. Maybe it's to, maybe that faith step is to sign up for Alpha and explore your, your questions and doubts. Maybe, maybe it's to do what Thomas did and put your full trust in Jesus. Maybe some of you are ready to get baptized and go all in with Jesus. Maybe it's to give Jesus the, the benefit of the doubt, like the, uh, like the 11 who uh, continued to um, serve him and, and follow him. Uh, with their uh, doubt. Maybe it's to start some faith-building habits like prayer and, and uh, uh, reading and reflecting on, on Scripture. Faith is taking the first step, even though you don't see the whole staircase. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that we can uh, gather together and uh, talk about some really important subjects in this uh, series. God, thank you for the... Um, the good example of Thomas that shows us how to deal with doubt and, and how you love us through it. I pray for those who are really struggling right now. Life has not gone the way that we expected and we got questions and doubts. Help us to be honest and, and to begin to work through them. God, I know all of us struggle with, with doubt. And sooner or later we find ourselves in the valley. Would you help us to hold on and trust you, knowing that doubt can strengthen our faith and lead us to a richer, deeper faith in Jesus. God, thank you for the Alpha Ministry and Rooted and Life Groups and CR and just all the smaller groups offered to us. I pray for anybody dealing with doubt right now to not uh, try to figure it out alone, but to be like Thomas and join one of our groups knowing that you will show up help us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.